0: This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Destination Analyst, a team of travel industry experts widely known for their pioneering, customized travel and tourism research that is second to none in reliability, affordability, and transparency. They not only assist their clients with the interpretation of their research results, but the architecture and execution of strategy based on that research. And during the COVID-19 crisis, Destination Analysts have been providing weekly consumer trend insights. You can download the latest edition at destinationanalysts.com. And now on to our show, our guest today is Racine Freedy, Heralding from the small Montana cattle town of Avando in the heart of the Blackfoot Valley, Racine grew up in the southern end of the crown of the continent, an upbringing that she says helped establish her inherent love for Big Sky Country. Armed with a bachelor's degree in communication from Montana State University, she has spent the majority of her professional career promoting travel and tourism to Montana. Since 2007, Racine has put her more than 29 years of marketing experience to work as the president's CEO for Glacier Country Tourism, one of six geographic tourism regions in Montana. In addition to leading one of Montana's largest DMOs, and I would hold probably one of the largest geographic DMOs in the country. She is also the lead coordinator for Tourism Matters to Montana and the chair of Voices of Montana Tourism and has been an active board member with the Montana Chamber of Commerce and the Blackfoot Challenge. Racine Freedy, welcome to DMOU.
1: Thank you so much. It's so great to be here.
0: It's great to catch up with you. And as many of our listeners know, we've worked with more than 200 DMOs across the Americas, including yours. And in most of them, we've interacted with their boards of directors. So this next statement I'm about to make carries some weight. Glacier Country Regional Tourism has one of the most impressive annual onboarding processes I've ever witnessed. So to your first question, spending over a half a day on an orientation program is seriously uncommon in the DMO world, yet you run your rookies through this gauntlet every single year, and they like it. (laughs) Share with us your philosophy on giving new recruits this deep of a dive into your organization's world.
1: Well, first, I've spent most of my career in the nonprofit world, Um, whether it was a chamber of commerce or a telephone cooperative or Glacier Country Tourism. And one of the things I've always done, because we all as uh, nonprofit employees ultimately serve on other nonprofit boards, but you step onto that nonprofit board and you don't know anything about it. You think you do, but you ultimately don't. Mm. And it would take me years before I genuinely felt like I could be a true ambassador for it. And I would also kind of stumble through some of the governance aspects can't tell you how many times we did things a certain way before somebody would point out that the bylaws said something completely different. So the primary goal around the way we do things is to set our board up to succeed by educating them right away what the organization is about, letting them know about the industry, uh, our team, what we do, and how we do it. But secondly, and I've heard this said by so many people, um, that do what we do, is that the general public really struggles to know what destination marketing is. Um, heck, most of my friends and family still have no clue what I do.
0: Right. Yep.
1: And that's the same for new board members. They really have very little experience with this. They join because we do travel promotion. They see that travel magazine and they're like, "Ooh, I want to be associated with that. And they want to have a voice. They want to do it for their business, for their organization and their community or their county that they're representing. And what we do in our orientation is that we take in in a very two-way conversation, very engaging format, we literally tell them what is destination marketing and management. We talk about the funding, the economic impact, our brand, our advocacy efforts, the mission, the vision, and most importantly, the financial oversight, because we want them to know how we do things and how we're accountable for what we do. So ultimately, we are trying to set our board up to be as great a board members as they can possibly be. Another element to not only the orientation, but some of the board governance uh, training that we do, because we add that into the mix every single year as well, is in rural America, rural Montana, in our small towns, you don't just serve on one board you are serving on multiple boards, whether it's the school board or the chamber or the sewer board or or whatever. And what I've learned over the years is that people just don't go through an orientation. They don't go through governance training. The other piece of the puzzle, I think that we are bringing to the table is we are helping them be better board members. And it isn't just us that's benefiting from that. It's every single board that they serve on. It's their community. And they're helping to pass on those skills and that knowledge. If they're just better members for us and and better ambassadors for us, that's fabulous. But ultimately, we're helping to foster a much more uh, better educated uh, board members for our our communities.
0: So give us a, a glimpse into what that day looks like, that you you start each year with the new recruits.
1: We generally have the new recruits come in and our staff is there. We also have other board members that are, are sitting in on it. Not everyone, but um, quite a few. And we start off with an agenda and it starts off with what is a destination marketing organization? What are the economic impacts? Uh, what does it mean? What does it mean to your community? Uh, We dive into what our brand is. How do you implement the brand? How does a destination marketing organization literally translate that brand into all of our projects and programs? And then we kind of dive into, you know, how we do it and and what our organization looks like. How do we work with our agency? Uh, How do we determine what our marketing efforts are? And we talk about the research element. We do a deep Dive and we allow them to ask as many questions as they feel they need to. Um and it's it's been really, really effective.
0: Interesting. You uh when we prepped for this call, you said that you had just completed the orientation a day or two before, and you said that you had five calls the next day after the, the event was over with questions.
1: I did. In fact, There's a a couple board members that even since you and I have talked, I've had multiple conversations with about different things that are happening in their counties, in their communities, and they're so excited about it. I
0: mean, they get excited because they now realize, oh, wait, there's more opportunity for me to help the organization and help my hometown than I ever realized when I said I'd step onto the board, right?
1: Absolutely. Yes. And it's not just their community. It's really all the surrounding areas. Because ultimately, in small rural areas, it isn't just your community. It's really your surrounding county or multiple counties that you're actually engaged with. But they're able to not just think about it linearly with their own business. They're now thinking about it in terms of their community.
0: I should have at the outset of this call had you describe your destination because it is multi-county. It is probably bigger than some states. Tell us a little bit about Glacier Country.
1: Well, Glacier Country, again, is one of the the six geographic tourism regions. To describe literally what that geographic region looks like (laughs) is uh, we are eight counties in northwest Montana. We have over 75 communities in those eight counties, but the size of the region is 22,000 square miles, which is essentially the size of Maine. We also have all of Glacier National Park within our area. We have Uh, my goodness, we have seven different national forests. We have the Bob Marshall Wilderness. Uh, We have the second largest city in the the state of Montana. So it is a a significantly sized area. In fact, just for a board member or us as staff to travel across the region, it would take about seven or eight hours.
0: So if you live at one end of the country, this is a serious commitment to make a board meeting.
1: Very much so. And it's probably one of the reasons that we want to make sure that we're setting this core foundation because they don't actually get to meet very often. They only have four regular meetings a year and that's not including the board retreat. So when they come together for a meeting, that's a three or four hour drive for every single person. And that's just to get there. Then most of them go back the same day.
0: You mentioned that you have obviously the new recruits that are part of the orientation and that you also have veterans that come. And that's one of the things I think I was most impressed at was that oftentimes it is only the new recruits. And, you know, it's over lunch or it's an hour PowerPoint or it's, you know, it's or it's just here's the manual. Read it. And here you've got the newbies, but you also have veterans that come. Tell us why you think it's so important for the veterans to be part of the orientation
1: i think there's several different reasons one we've got some board members that genuinely want to be mentors to our our new board members which is always uh, a powerful thing and we encourage that but the other aspect of things too is that the dmo world is constantly changing things are always changing i think in the last review before this, this Uh, last uh, orientation we did, I think I probably updated and changed almost 20% of the content that was in the orientation itself. So we have a lot of people that actually come just so they can kind of go through it again um, and learn what's changed, what's different. And frankly, you know, I'm one of those people that the more times I go through something, the more I retain it. And I think I have a lot of board members that are like that as well.
0: And it builds an awful lot of camaraderie that you wouldn't have normally because, as you said, you meet quarterly.
1: We do. In fact, I think our our board retreat, which one starts off with orientation for new people, it's followed up with a board governance, and then we spend a good two days working on whatever we've decided to work on. And it is truly the one time that the staff, the board, all get a chance to bond, not just professionally, but also personally. They sit down and we, we go through the programs, but we have lunch and we go and visit with partners or we have, uh, I think when you were here, we went and spent the evening at the University of Montana campus and we mm-hmm. invited leaders from the university to come in and talk with us about how we can collaborate together. And my goodness, we had so many positive comments from that.
0: That was a great event, and especially being able to watch your videos on the Jumbotron at the football stadium was very, very cool. But also, having the one of the evening events at a brand-new gallery was a wonderful opportunity for people to get to know each other.
1: It was. You bet. And, uh, and that is one of the other things that we try to do. And unfortunately, we weren't able to do it this year because we held our retreat sure. virtually. But it is probably one of the most favorite things that our board does is we take – time out and we go and visit something unique in whatever community that we're holding it in. And so they can learn about the culture, learn about that community and the history in some way. And that night we we got to learn uh, about that new gallery that opened up and and how unique they are approaching things.
0: Before we leave the topic of the board, your diversity of background is also pretty unique. You know, when we all got into this business a gazillion years ago, most of the boards were primarily hoteliers. And today, in many cases, the hoteliers still maintain, you know, two or three or four seats, but we've really diversified into attractions and restaurants and retail and and, and some other ancillary sub-industries, if you will, that are all part of hospitality. But in your new board roster, you've got uh, a grocer, you've got a floral store. Tell me how you come to that broad of a diversity, and how it makes your board better.
1: When we first started off, it was a little on the typical side. It definitely had the the hotels and the resorts, and occasionally a restaurant or, or something like that, but. When we started identifying all the different sectors of our communities that benefit from tourism, we realized we were missing a lot of people at the table. So when we start going out and we look at recruiting new board members, we are truly trying to look at where the gaps are on the board. And I was so excited this year when we were able to identify A grocery store owner, because frankly, when we look at where visitors are spending their money, groceries are like number six on the Mm -hmm. list. They are spending a ton of money in the grocery store. And after we had that conversation, he went, oh yeah, certainly the locals and the residents are supporting me, but where I make my profit are the visitors. And it was so great to see that connection.
0: You know, and isn't it the ones that are not the predictable, you know, the hotel, the restaurant, the retail; th- those are the ones, oftentimes, that are the most impactful when they go back home, or when they speak in front of city council, or they try to socialize an idea among their friends. Is people are going, well, wait a minute, you know, you run a TV station, why do you care about tourism, right? That's, and you know, for us in Madison, you know, the guy who led our convention center push was the GM of one of our local TV stations, and people couldn't figure it out. And one of our most successful person that we put out, you know, on the stump every evening, uh, with, you know, community groups and, and coffee clutches was a financial advisor. And they would ask her, Karen, I mean, they expect me, but when we gave them Karen and George, it threw them off. And I'll just give you a quick example. We were, uh, working with a community in Oklahoma where the city council had decided that the convention center needed some work. And so they were going to cut the Bureau's budget in half and then put the money into the convention center. And, you know, everybody that you'd figure, the hotels get up, the chamber of commerce gets up, the CVB gets up, everybody gets up and says, please don't do this and gives them a million reasons why they shouldn't do this. And every member of the council was playing on their phones during all of the testimony. You know, who knows? They were probably playing bedazzled, right? And they didn't look up for anybody. They were just, you know, in their own little worlds until the florist in that community stood up and all of their heads just jerked up and they looked and they went, Marta, what are you doing here? And she said, do you think that I sell enough flowers to guys who have done something stupid to keep my doors open? She goes, I make my bucks doing the floral arrangements for the convention center. If you cut the bureau, we're going to have fewer meetings and I may not be able to stay in business. And all of a sudden, the proposal came off the table because they'd never connected the dots for somebody like a Marta. Who is a florist, that tourism is important to her. I think the diversity that you're doing has just all kinds of layers of coolness to it.
1: I agree 100%. It's been fun to see everybody at the table, it's been fun to hear their different perspectives. We really enjoy having so many different types of people at the table and instead of just the same.
0: It's very, very cool. Okay, question number three. Most DMOs have settled into a three year rotation for their strategic planning process. In fact, Destinations International's DMAP standards require that process to be undertaken no less than every three years. But you do yours every single year. Tell us what that means for the organization and for your board.
1: By doing this every year, we feel like we are creating a very strong foundation for each and every person to feel comfortable engaging in whatever conversation we're having. We really value them and their time and their skills and their expertise, and we want their perspective on their business or community. But yet again, because of the geographic size, how little they actually get to spend time together, we feel like investing this time right up front every single year breaks the hesitations of people engaging, um, of them not feeling comfortable about asking questions, we've kind of put those all to rest. And it's really allowed them to be much more engaged in the conversation right off the bat.
0: And I would think that it also keeps them more engaged because they know they have to get this year's plan as far down the path as they possibly can because next year they're issues may be superseded by whatever's coming in the following year. And of course, this is a great example of a lot of the things we talked about a year ago when we were together. We probably did ours, what, a month or two before COVID. No one expected what was going to happen. And now the board is faced with updating. In the midst of the beginning of COVID, we thought to ourselves, oh, we probably did 20 or 30 strat plans last year. We need to go back and talk to each one of our clients." and say, look, you know, we'd be glad to figure out a way to virtually update them. And we started pulling them out of the files and looking at them. And we said, you know something, these are just as meaningful as they were when we did them last year. These issues aren't going away. In fact, some of the issues like community outreach are even more important during the pandemic than they were pre-pandemic. But at the same time, being able to update, I think it keeps them closer to the plan, wouldn't you say?
1: I do. And in our board in particular does follow the, the clear line of division of keeping the board at the strategic side of things. Yeah. Them helping us brainstorm where we're going, what our planning is, and our budget. Then they rely on, on us to implement the plan. And of course, we're checking in with them over the years and reaching out to them for help when we need it, but it helps keep us accountable to them. And Mm -hmm. it isn't just that, that one monthly board meeting everybody kind of is like, oh, you know, barely get to the meeting themselves. It's only four meetings a year and it makes that meeting really, really important. Um, but it also puts a lot of, uh, uh, not just pressure, but it really motivates us to make things happen and make sure that we're meeting those goals. I was super excited. We had, um, our second round of destination next at our last retreat. And there was only two things on the list that we hadn't been able to accomplish from three years ago. I was so thrilled to be able to see that, but I I think a lot of what we're doing with our board.
0: Well, we love the way you think, and we love what you've done, uh, with your board and your destination. And we can't wait to come back when, uh, The pandemic uh, is at least at bay, but we can't let you leave before your bonus round question. And, you know, the DMO world affords those of us that are so blessed to be in it a lot of amazing experiences that others, sadly, would never have the chance to enjoy. It's just it's part of our gig, right? We work hard, but we also get behind the scenes and get to play hard, too. You say that one of those experiences changed your world. So tell us about that experience that you essentially stumbled into through your work in destination marketing.
1: I did. Um, gosh, I think it was back around <laughs> 2010. I was on a plane from Salt Lake City to Tahoe, and we were going to the ESTO Conference. And I could, I was looking around on this plane going, what in the world? There's all these crazy costumes and hats and all these people, and I, I just couldn't figure out what was going on. I was so curious. So we get to Tahoe, and I start asking around. And um, all of a sudden, I kept hearing about this this thing called Burning Man. Wow. And I just went, what? And so I was kind of blown away, um, and I forgot about it. And fast forward about two years, I got asked to go and to that thing in the desert, and they literally call it that, that thing in the desert, called Burning Man.
0: And that's a hard ticket to get.
1: It is, it, oh boy, it is a tough one. Um, <laughs> you can get skunked on tickets easily. But yeah, I ended up going to my first Burning Man, loved it, fell in love with it. Um, and I ended up going back the next five years, but it just literally changed my world. It made me, I think, a better person for so many reasons. You know, When you don't necessarily live somewhere, you're like the visitor to the destination. But at Burning Man you're actually a resident you're actually going home and they treat you like it's home you have a community there's an infrastructure that you have neighborhoods that you you live in and you meet the most amazing people from across the world and it is one of the most special destinations on earth that I've ever visited uh, and i I truly love it and i'll be I doubt I will uh not go on a regular basis in the future. I can't wait for it to come back.
0: And it's been fascinating to watch, uh, not just that the event has become a cultural icon event in this world, but um, I was doing some research on it after you said that this was one of those moments for you. And the very first Burning Man pyre was, I think, something like three feet, (laughs) Right? right? And today they're just these massive constructions that is kind of the uh, the high point of of the time there, but I haven't heard. Are there plans for for doing something at a different time this year because of COVID, or are they taking the year off?
1: They're actually surveying the community right now, just asking the question whether okay. if they feel safe or not. Um, even if it does go on to some extent, I think I'm going to wait uh, another year before I go back, but I can't wait to get there.
0: Very cool. Well, it's on my list now after you've told me. I mean, I've I've always watched the coverage and I've always thought one of these days, but that it changed your world as it has, it's solidly on my list now.
1: That's so great. Thank
0: you for that. And honestly, thank you for taking time out of your schedule for the podcast. I was blessed to have the opportunity to work with your board last year before the madness descended upon us. And I was really taken aback by how engaged your board was. And that's really all because of you. So thanks so much. And thanks for uh, the suggestions that I think many of the listeners here will uh, take to heart and try to employ with their boards.
1: Thank you so much, Phil. It's been a pleasure.
0: Hey, Absolutely. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers, this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It's DMOU.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, our friends at Destination Analysts, a team of travel industry experts widely known for their pioneering and customized travel and tourism research that is second to none for reliability, affordability, and transparency. And during COVID, Destination analyst is producing weekly consumer trend insights. You can download the latest edition at destinationanalysts.com. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find links to our services for the DMO sector, links to the Z News, position papers on board diversity and the new model for destination development, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, plus access to previous episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.